Welcome to The New Exchange, a podcast series that explores how everyone has a story to tell. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and it's interesting. So when I started this series, I immediately made a list of people I knew I wanted to have on. One of those groups are today's guests, a band I care about deeply. Say hello to Dreamwife. They're a punk band based in London who've hit the sweet spot between having killer tunes that have something to say. You'd be hard-pressed to find a band with stronger values pertaining to unity, community, the rights of women, non-binary people, and the rights of LGBTQ people. Some might argue that having such values is in vogue, but Dreamwife have always amazed me by how they live what they preach. Since forming in 2016, the band has made inclusion the primary fixture of their message, and again all while making sure that their music fucking slaps. During the pandemic, they released their second album, So When You Gonna, and they're now gearing to release a third album, which inadvertently became the main topic of today's podcast. I've known them since 2017, and getting to interview the three of them always feels like a massive privilege. Usually when we have more than two guests on the podcast, we try to have a bit of a roll call, but we didn't get to do that here. So to help prepare you for the talk, here's the order of voices you're about to hear. We kick off with Alice, who's on guitars and vocals, Raquel, who is the lead vocalist and songwriter, and Bella, who's also on bass and vocals. Since recording this episode, they've released a new single called Leech. It's a track that encapsulates so much of what we discuss on today's episode, and a great taste of what's to come for album three. I highly recommend following the band on all socials so you get the latest info on the album and upcoming tour dates. Just search Dreamwife on all platforms. This is the new exchange with Dreamwife. Enjoy. In so many ways, I can't believe it's been this long. I mean, so long since you've been in New York. So there's only one way to start. How are the three of you doing? Yeah, good. We just finished recording our third record, so it's an exciting time. Oh, look at that. The exclusive on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to bring that up closer to the end, but we could jump into it. I mean, it is insane how in a lot of ways... I mean, tell me if you feel this way as a band of musicians. I feel like there's something about a third album that just there's a weight to it and i wonder if you felt that going into it yeah like in making it i think there's a lot of freedom to it actually yeah it's been a complete opposite we've been quite lucky to be able to make a third album and at this point i feel like we really know ourselves and we know what we're going to create and have more faith in what it is that we want to make so I think it's 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 an incredible privilege to be able to be on the third album. But I think there's so much freedom in it. That's beautiful to hear. Is that the consensus amongst the band? Or it's certainly like with the second record, we worked with Mottis Logmi, the producer, and it was like this really creative, safe environment where we were like, oh, like let's play synths, let's like expand the sound. And it, you know, it, it kind of was what it was in its own right, but it didn't necessarily like reflect the live show and I think you know post-COVID or post-lockdown should I say like coming back and playing live shows as a band again it kind of made us remember like what this is all about and so like with this record I think yeah like Raquel said we kind of went in knowing what we wanted being like we want to do something that like is true to who we are live and yeah that, that was liberating kind of almost setting your own boundaries allows you to kind of I don't know Having too many options sometimes isn't as liberating as you think. And I think, yeah, we entered into this knowing what we want. 
so it's quite raw in that sense, um, which is a lot more similar to our live show, which is exciting. I think a second album is probably tricky because we, we joked around saying that we were like rebelling against ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> but also, where do you, what do you gain in that? <laughs> I think you gain perspective because like I found myself surprised, really. I mean, it's exciting, exciting to try something new and, you know, bring in different instruments and, and feel safe and create. But I think the different joy of making this album is that we were more stripping back. And how can we recreate this live? And how, how can it really get that raw energy from a live show into the studio? It's crazy how that's, I feel like, that's continuously elusive in a way, trying to capture mm. that life element. Like, it's impossible. <laughs> yeah. It's really nuts. And, like, you know, just kind of like going even further into bringing that up, because this is the year where you got to return to the stage in a big way after like all the lockdowns and everything and not being able to mm -hmm. perform. And tell me, how was it to not just play songs off of the second record, but also just being back in stage in general? Because you, like one of my favorite things about you is like that's your home like the way mm -hmm. i've seen you perform here in new york is like the natural comfortability you have on a stage is like very unique it's fun <laughs> yeah i think it's been a big kind of like remembering what is so great about what we do you know it it really is on the stage where it's like real and alive and there's kind of space for chaos and that is that kind of like immediate interaction with an audience that I think um yeah it, it's, it's a real experience that we all have together um and I think it's been really cool to be writing and recording alongside this kind of big remembering and like, you know not just for us but like concert goers as well that this is like this kind of coming together and communion over kind of like like you know music like we can feel things together in ways that like, you're not normally allowed to um and that, that was really powerful after spending a lot of time isolated from community can you describe what it feels like when you're on stage because something i love when i've watched you perform is that the way you're like looking at each other i feel like i've always noticed moments where there's almost like this bewilderment of like even just the <laughs> setting yeah it's like hard to say because I think it's like you just get whipped up into a frenzy and it's like you know you're you're hyper hyper present but at the same time you're like existing on another plane as well it's like this thing of it's it's quite transcendental I would say like you kind of <laughs> oh <laughs> that's the only word I can think of for it for it really I know it sounds a bit a bit tacky but yeah transcendental <laughs> I like that though. You should like, you know, copyright that or something. I, I, I like that <laughs> We're not into copywriting stuff. Yeah. It's very anti-punk. That is very true. It's, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, not very punk of us. Yeah. <laughs> it is quite funny when you see videos of us on stage afterwards, like when you sort of scroll to see what people have posted. It's quite funny because sometimes we're doing like the same moves, like bending our back backwards at the same time. And it's, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. almost like choreographed. 
but actually we're just sort of so used to each other's presence and often you, you don't see each other except if you're looking that way so it's quite funny to see afterwards like wow it looks like we choreographed this <laughs> uh-huh but there's a kind of intuitive choreography that's like happened automatically and then there are moments where we kind of sit down and like try and talk about what is actually <laughs> happening in those moments it's like oh no i thought i thought that happened because you did that thing and that meant that i do that but everyone's like perception of where the um the locus of control or the like the decisions it's it's all very kind of like in between all of us and very shared it's like yeah it's really interesting something I think really a lot about playing the shows is like you both have to like drop your ego and leave it behind and it's like it's not about you it's like this thing that you're kind of facilitating and like a space that you're holding with your wives um but it's also like you have to utterly step into your ego and be like yes I I am someone that is able to stand on this stage and hold this space as well. Like it is a kind of funny embracing and dropping of your like sense of self. Or like, yeah, when I see videos of us afterwards, I'm like, well, is that really me? Like what? I feel like it's such a kind of, I don't know, like little, little polite person. Um. <laughs> I mean, I'll say it. I'll say it. You look like superheroes on stage. <laughs> It looks badass. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, here for it. Oh, I I know it's a heavy thing to reflect on, but I I really wanted to talk about this with you because we're at this place now where, like, obviously, you know, there's still various stages of, like, you know, COVID rules and, like, there were all the lockdowns that we went through. And it's come up a bit in this series a few times about, like, how the fact that there are people who are in bands pre, you know, pandemic and decided to still carry on and even be more emboldened to do so is actually really remarkable. And you consider like how trying it is just to like have a career in music. And when I thought about you lot, cause I did think about you throughout like this pandemic, just thinking about people. And uh, I, I thought about like how a big thing of dream wife in general is like how there's a shared vision, which is very unique. And I wonder if you feel like that you if you attribute that to like the fact that you even went on to make a third record or like if there were other things that you felt made you realize that like oh we still want to do this. I think for me personally uh during the pandemic of course you chose a profession that suddenly wasn't legal anymore. Mm-hmm. Especially it's such a big part of Dreamwife is our live shows. And since we started performing in this band, we've consistently been on the road. Um, so it was quite a big thing when your profession wasn't allowed anymore. Um, but at the same time, it was probably the first time that I could reflect upon what this project has meant to me and meant to us. And the beauty of that, to be able to, you know, to be able to work for yourself, to be able to travel the world with your friends, and to be able to form a sense of community through music. And that was quite a beautiful thing to be grateful for. So of course, like, you had your doubts at moments, but for for me, it was such a good time of, I mean, not good time, it was an important time to reflect upon why we love live music so much. Very beautifully put, though. I just love it. 
yeah it was definitely like a you don't know what you've got till it's gone kind of feeling and I think we're still like coming back to playing live shows we're still just savoring every moment it's like I think it was Latitude Festival um last year was like our first show back maybe I remember just like we like were backstage and it was like it was like we have missed this so much and it was really like whoa like you kind of forgot how incredible that that moment is to share with people like getting to play live it's like a privilege and I think we're still just totally like savoring every moment and yeah trying to honor that in the record as well do you know like it I mean first I have to say I am generally very happy that you lot are still here because it's important to say that like it would have been very I, not just in the context of being musicians, but just people in general, because there's been loads of people that like change their careers or the ideas of what they wanted to do. But like, I do feel like your band existing, and I've told you this in the past, it's, it's vital, it's important. So I'm genuinely happy that you're still together and still doing what you're doing. I'm quite curious about this in that way. I guess many bands did break up during the pandemic. Mm. Um, and educate themselves in something else. But it's even more so, for example, the, do you know the big move? Oh, yeah. Album? Yeah, I know them pretty well. Like, um, I know Soph really well, and I love them as people. They're unbelievably great. And that kind of way I was thinking about it, Jules had a baby during yeah. the pandemic. And, and now they're sort of, uh, I think Jules also produced their record. Uh, that's coming out soon, in a few months. And it's quite nice to talk to them sort of about this as well, that... I think what they're doing now, they're doing it on their terms a lot more, especially because, you know, it's unfortunately not that common to have children on the road and even to sort of address the kind of, you know, being able to have a work environment where it's on your terms. So that band, for example, for me, I was thinking about it, that, you know, I'm so happy that people are coming back into releasing albums or an album cycle and are thinking about it differently. Yeah, they've had that chance of perspective. Yeah, yeah. That is really like a great point. I need to see you two on a bill, honestly. That would be a fantastic show. Have you We're quite a bit together, to be honest. Yeah, we did a festival like last week with them, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> that is class, man. Um, do you know, interestingly enough, like getting to chat with you a lot right now, it's actually one of my favorite times to be chatting with a band because um, like I, I genuinely tend to hate talking to a band right before an album comes out in the context of like you really haven't had the chance to live with it to like discuss how you feel about it and you've alluded to some of the feelings you had about the second record earlier but like how do you think you generally feel about it like that second album because it was like a bit of a pivot but to me a good one you know like i remember like when you were like releasing the singles i love the fact that each one kind of made you feel like you didn't know what direction you were going in like it kind of felt like Mm-mm. you you were like impossible to peg for a second which i thought was really strong and yeah like how do you feel about that album? i mean it's part it's definitely like it's part of our story it's part of our understanding and like self-exploration of like this is why we're at where we're at right now and this is why we've chosen to do it the way we've done it this time and it's like all of these things have led to the decisions we've made to make the record we're in right now, working on right now. And I think it's, I don't know, I feel like we kind of had to get something out of our system and like we've kind of gone back to like, 
no, actually, this is what it's all about. But it's kind of taken going full circle almost to kind of get back around to this point. Mm. <laughs> like have is that to... the silver lining? <laughs> well, it's, like, it's really a... out of yeah. uh, <laughs> Like it's a chapter, I guess, if anything. Like, yeah. It's a chapter that yeah. led to the next one. I mean, I, I love the songwriting in our second album. Um, and again, what Alice said was, I, I thought it was, you know, I really love our second album. But however, it was missing some overall rawness that was what led us to this third record. Yeah. But maybe not, it was just, it was just different. But I'm, I'm really, I guess like it's funny talking about like past albums because all you can think about now is the current one yeah. and yeah. how it's yeah. perfect. So that's, I think a good thing about being maybe human or an artist that you're not really that focused on what you did in the past. You're just more excited about the present moment. I'm generally appreciating the candor, by the way, because it is funny how often sometimes you'll ask a musician about how they feel about a past work. And sometimes to keep face, they'll just be like, oh, it's like the best. I love that so much. And it's like, <laughs> I want to change the thing. Like, but like when you reflect on the second album, is there an experience you had from making it that you reflect that you like remember quite fondly that just kind of brings a smile to your face? The producer, Marta Solange, mm -hmm. what an absolute amazing person <laughs> and we felt so held and so safe and and it was such a beautiful collaboration but actually this third album another reason why we're so excited about it is because alice is producing it hey you know what we haven't had a chance to do this on a podcast but let's give alice a round of applause then we might as well <laughs> let's do it a genuine uh, round of applause look oh, at you thank you yeah no i think it's it was like we were kind of talking about how, what do we want this record to be and it was just a thing where like we were saying it's like we're trying to get back to the live sound and like we understand that sound better than anyone and we're in a position like well we can take this on and yeah I felt quite strongly that this is how we had to make this record and I'm so proud of what we've made like I think it's out of all of our records so far capturing the live sound um but yeah, it's it's just like Raquel said, it's weird like talking about this thing that like no one else has heard yet. And we're like really like picking it up and um We got the first mixes in only a few days ago. And we, we had the last recording a week ago. So we're like and it's it's yeah. just so you get these little nuggets and you're like, Oh yeah, this is good. This is this sounds like us. This sounds yeah. very much our live show. That is fucking top. Yeah, I should say this talk I record should be coming out like near the tail end of October. But um that's so awesome to know you have an album like just in the pipeline. Like I mean we don't know when it's out, but <laughs> Definitely not by October, yeah. Like people listening, it'll be a while. It'll definitely, definitely be a not. while. There's a lot of things to do. <laughs> yeah. But at least we're done with the chunk of it. <laughs> yeah. Do you know a lot of our talks in the past have been very celebratory and exploring like the band and what you're about and I've always enjoyed that a lot and being at your shows and seeing that it's like I think it's always incredible how you could be in a room of people and you could tell that they get it like they're clicking to like the messaging and the songs and the energy but I couldn't help but wonder when I knew like we were going to be talking like have you lot ever like do you feel like the three of you like separately or even collectively have felt like you ever dealt with any resistance towards the band in terms of people not getting it or like almost being like confused by what you're trying to do? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. Yeah, it definitely happens. Yeah, like what's one of the weirdest things you've heard someone, like I'd love to hear it from each of you. So well, you one of the weirdest we, things you've heard someone say? Well, 
It's gonna be in a song. <laughs> oh, the old German bunker. The, the German <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, actually, cool that you mentioned that because that's one of the songs that we just got our mixes back, and it sounds great. And um, well, my uh, can I tell your story, Alice? Do you want to tell your please? Um, we during our like very very first shows when we were taking um, mega buses around Europe, which was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, playing the most random shows you could possibly imagine. Um, for real. I feel like we need to write a book about our first tours. <laughs> At one show, we were in a German bunker in a town called Ulm, which hardly anyone has heard about except for some Germans. And it was deep, deep, deep in the ground, this bunker that had been changed into like an Irish pub. And we were there, played our sets to some people that listened. <laughs> Afterwards, uh, we sort of went to the crowd and got got a drink, and and this group of German lads came up to to us, and one of them was, was talking about Alice's guitar, and and Alice was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, thanks, man. Like you thought that, like thought he was complimenting me, oh. like saying like, oh, I love the show. I thought it was that way, but it was quite the opposite." <laughs> But basically, he comes up to Alice and you like, oh, thanks, thanks. And he's like, in 10, in 10 years, your looks will fade. So you better practice Spanish guitar because this is not it working. It was so weird. Wait, no, no. That... It was just like slap in the face. Like a human <laughs> being said that to you? Like, yeah. Going... What the and fuck? He was like, you think you've got your riffs, but you know, you should practice and you should play Spanish guitar. Like, it was just like, like, what? And practice every day Spanish guitar, guitar. You should change over to that. But also it's the, your looks as well. Like, who? I know. Yeah, it was like, you? what? At the same time, his friend next to me, another German person, told, so he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, the show. And I was like, yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> Us both oblivious to each other's conversations. And this guy was like, I really liked it when you jumped up and down and your your boobs. And I'm like, what? Oh my god. Right. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, sorry, what? Wait, wait, what? This is fucked up. And we ended up just walking away and and going to our hotel and Kill Bill was playing in German. Yeah. So we were all pissed off at this disgusting. <laughs> We were like, fuck yeah, Uma, kill Bill. Kill Bill for us. <laughs> kill Bill, kill Bill. <laughs> oh my god. That was, that was a nice relief, and I always think about that movie, that when we, when we thought we were being complimented for our music, but in fact, we're, compliment, we, we're not complimented at all. Yeah. Well, Isabella, where were you when all this was going on? Like, Were you like there as well? Um, I don't know, I was just floating around, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to do. I, rem- I remember it all happening. Yeah, you were maybe a there. little less friendly than the others. Oh God! Like, yeah, so as... one of them, I guess. But that that story. Yeah. With them, your looks will fade in ten years, so you better practice Spanish God. guitar. So ridiculous. That like absolutely kills me, man. As you were saying that, I was thinking, like, we should have, like, a moment of silence for the people in that guy's life who don't know he's that much of a shithead. But then again, not really. Yeah. Fuck him. <laughs> they definitely Good idea. <laughs> you can insert that in the edit, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm happy. I mean, I'm happy for a lot of reasons that we're talking, but a big one is that I got to finally ask you about these songs that you've made on the second album that I can finally ask you about. And a big one for me was um, After the Rain, because I feel like genuinely, at least up to now, before the third album comes out, that to me is like one of the best songs you've ever released, especially lyrically. And I wonder if you could share the subject matter and the experience that inspired the song, like lyrically and even just making it, because that that's a really special one. Uh, yeah, I I agree. That's one of my favorite songs off that album. And we've actually, well, we, we haven't played it live yet. We've never played it live. Because <laughs> we were like, we're going to get a piano on stage. <laughs> and that is a grand piano song. That's not like a kiddie piano song. You almost hear like a... Yeah. It's almost like, maybe we should the piano with that song because it, you know, don't know how to tour with that right now. But I hope it will be played live, maybe in a different way. Um, That song was a voice memo originally, uh, which I recorded after having a conversation with my sister um, when she was sort of sharing with me her experience of of being pregnant unexpectedly and wanting to have an abortion. And it was during the same time as uh, the Alabama laws were inserted so and i mean of course now in america it's absolutely terrible what is happening all over but it was sort of this uh just a conversation that that she she couldn't really put into words and i did and she loves that song and during her time um sort of healing from that trauma as well and going through various stages of grief um, and anger and just yeah many stages we experience um, those who have gone through abortions so it was quite it was sort of a gift I'm very happy that that song became sort of a part of of her healing process it was yeah she played it a few times a day and i'm really happy that song went on the album that is so beautiful and that i mean in the way you highlighted that just there in terms of the story i feel like what's conveyed in the song is that aspect of how a conversation is never like a static thing it's like an ever-evolving thing it's a constant thing and there's, you know, multitudes of emotion within it. And that's what that song happens and has. And, like, you know, obviously the lyrics play a big part, but, like, Isabella and Alice, like, how do you feel getting to, like, sonically support a tune like that? Especially a song, I should add, that's so wildly different than anything you've done before, mm-hmm. you know? Well, it was, like, it was the first time we'd written with piano. And I remember it was, like, a thing where it was, like, we really had to do the lyrics justice and I think like to take it seriously as a statement and like I think it was one where yeah originally it was just written I think like maybe I was just like playing a keyboard with Raquel or something it was like building from this very kind of different place than when we normally write and we're like jamming in the room it was kind of like from this place of kind of a quiet safer place and or not safer but a quieter place and more reflective place and um yeah I think it was something where like having having the rain 
at the start and the end as well we were like this is how the record has to finish we have to end with this statement and then just like after listening to the record like the listeners just left listening to rain like we kind of knew for a long time that's how we wanted the record to end leaving people thinking on that the statement of that song and I think yeah it's definitely like a standout in a different way from the rest of our the rest of our releases um yeah and we wanted that to be different as well and we wanted people to be sort of like what this is a dreamwave song (laughs) i think that's how i felt in a good way though only in a good way yeah exactly and to end the album that way was um and also end in a statement that you owned your own body um i think that's exactly how we wanted to end that album but lyrically that um i feel with um when it comes to writing lyrics when you're a bit afraid of sharing those lyrics um something so personal then they're probably really good lyrics (laughs) so it is it is sad yeah remember when uh on the first album a song called somebody when I shared those lyrics with Alice and Bella, I was, I was pretty scared. And it's so nice to be in a, in a group and working with people who can hold that space with you. And for you to sort of go a direction, also musically, not just lyrically, and to be welcomed and listened and sort of Sort of speak about it together and I think that's such an important part of making music because when you're timid or afraid of being judged or or something like that that's that's when you put a limit to your own creativity and that's the wonderful thing about being in a band with uh, these two and pays is is that we're allowed we feel safe in each other's space mm. Yeah, there's a lot of trust involved in the exchange, for sure. And it, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it should be pointed out that, like, you know, and I noticed this with you a lot in day one, is that, like, you are a proper family. And it's important to point out because I think outwardly there might be acts that project that, but I've seen it with behind the scenes that, like, arguably, I don't know if it's most, but a lot of acts don't feel that way amongst each other. So when it actually happens and is genuine, the fact that can even happen in life is just crazy, really. Well, we're definitely not session players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's that. There's absolutely that. <laughs> no, it's it's important. Like especially we, you know, we spend so much time together. We sort of gotta like each other, <laughs> and, yeah. and it's really it's nice. Uh, Bella celebrated their birthday a few days ago when we were playing at a festival. And that was quite a beautiful moment when we sort of realized that we had, you know, gone through twenties together, um, both being friends in art school, and you two were friends before that, and then sort of making this band and sort of, you know, it's definitely the longest relationship I've ever been in. Yeah, Bella, how'd that feel getting to like celebrate your birthday in that way? It was really cool. It, um. Yeah, really good to play a final show of the 20s and mm. like ex- experience that together. And then like there was a moment where it was just like the three of us and we were just like eating our eating our dinner. There was some cake. We ate cake. And Raquel, cake, Raquel, yeah. Raquel's a really big fan of speeches. So we all kind of took it in turns to do a little speech. And it was, I think, 
celebration and celebrating is um one of is like really really actually so important and i think the show is a celebration every time and it was really cool to um like acknowledge that and acknowledge the longevity of it like raquel and i met 10 years ago in like a month and alice Alice i've known for like 15 years maybe nearly wild um and you know like we were me and raquel were housemates at first so there's always been like a um Oh, like a level of, of intimacy and I think as well like, like just like the language of it being wives um, <laughs> like yeah it's a kind of there's a an explicitness to um the partnership and what what that is I, I don't know I'm, I'm rambling a bit uh, but it's very beautiful to be married to these two people and to get to rock and roll all the time and I'm just thrilled that we're all in our 30s now and we know who we are and we're like a, a sexy heavy rock band yeah. Uh, yeah. and a bit silly but also a little bit a little bit of a kind of political edge whatever it's yeah. good times it's, I love it's, it. it's, <laughs> I do uh, love that for you a lot too. I feel like it's like you're very much use, like all the three of you. It's like I feel like it, you you're very much know how to be who you are, stand for what you believe in, and like you know, Bella. I just wanted to highlight something that you said there that was like really lovely. You know, that's something that even in my own personal life, the aspect of uh, celebrating things and allowing myself to do it, I've been almost kind of struggling with and trying to like. Um, fight against like the urge not to celebrate and it's weird how in like western society arguably because i feel like in the uk it's somewhere in america you're not really encouraged to celebrate yourself but like you should yeah absolutely like the only thing that is gonna everyone benefits when you celebrate you know no one no one loses when you make it a nice deal out of a nice thing um but yeah well like definitely there's a lot of like unlearning of the kind of cultural shame around it, I think. Um, and I'm glad to hear that you're you're doing some work on on celebrating yourself and in the celebration. That's really cool. Because um, you're also celebrating your community. Which uh-huh, is uh-huh. Not just about yourself. And as similar to as our shows, um, it's a very important part of our shows to acknowledge each other. Mm-hmm. And during the show <laughs> every single show we've played the past year since shows were allowed again I think I've started the show by saying how thankful and honored we are to be here and that we are here together and also about just are you looking out for one another it's just important to also say this on stage and I am a very big fan of speech because <laughs> my family I come from a family of actors and it's such an and they, those actors they love their parties but, <laughs> but it's uh it's such an important thing to, okay for example having a speech at any kind of turning event whether it's a show whether it's someone's birthday or any acknowledgement you are you have to i think i think it's so important to sort of bring it together and acknowledge why we are here together and what we want to invite into this time shared how we want to celebrate how we want to show joy or or you know be sentimental funny or however so i think I, yeah more speeches more celebrating each other 
more community. Well said. Well said. Yeah. Amen. Before I tackle onto this last question, I just wanted to point out that like something I deeply loved from um the second album was both the title track and also the video because I feel like it's so uniquely you and I mean it's almost like you guys came together like fucking Voltron that song fucking rips man oh that song is so fun to play live mm-hmm. finally could play it live again we were just like oh this is yeah. such a song <laughs> it really kicks into a third fourth fifth gear it's so fun oh it's so great the videos I- Aiden Zamiri are our lifelong collaborator and dear friend. <laughs> it was filmed through Aiden's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> filmed through Aiden's glorious pearly white teeth. Uh, I, I am legitimately jealous of people who get to experience it for the first time. I mean, I'm just really happy that Aiden didn't swallow that camera. <laughs> <laughs> but before we go, I wanted to bring up something that I feel like majorly proud about when it comes to you and it was like when you both had uh female fronted and non-binary projects open for you on tour a couple years ago like you went out Mm -hmm. your way to make sure that you did that and if i remember correctly you'd go out of your way and take on projects that had like little to no exposure and i mean it's one thing to do that and all the stuff that like you know the logistics but like now that some time has passed i mean what was your takeaway from that experience? Because that is quite a, that's amazing you got to do. That. Yeah, I think like as a way to facilitate the conversation with, you know, places we were going for the first time, it was like, it was a joy to like hold that conversation with people. And I think kind of tap into like the local music scene and see what's going on there. Like, but we we did it again on the uh, our UK tour earlier this year as well. And it was like, yeah, again, it was like a joy to watch these bands every night that, they've all like submitted their songs and it's like everyone's just super excited and I think it it means a lot to everyone that we can do it that way and I think yeah I mean Alice we have to do it Alice listened to what 500 submissions yeah you were like I mean but it was just so much fun I think it's like yeah it got to a point where I was like this is what it's all about and it was like yeah it was our first tour since lockdowns and it was like oh my god we get to go back out on the road and like meet all these incredible bands and like support them they get to support us it's like it's a really beautiful exchange and yeah we did it again earlier this year and I'm sure we will be doing it again um at a later date from now but yeah it just means a lot to do it that way we just have to do it again I mean we all agree this is one of the best parts of touring is just meeting these people that we've been so excited to meet because we want to it's so important if you have a stage um you know doesn't matter how big or how small it is to share it with something that you believe in and it's such a privilege to do that let's do it every tour let's not let's not be derailed yeah. ever <laughs> but it was really fun <laughs> because we did it for about 60 I mean, 60 dates and we got almost like 50. Oh, yeah. And putting it together with all the promoters and also convincing the promoters that this was a good idea. Not everyone was on board right away. But then once it happened, the, a lot of these acts, you know, met the promoters or they got, you know, links and opportunities to play at other festivals and stuff like that that they wouldn't have necessarily gotten. So that is a really wonderful feeling to have been a part of, of 
of helping them share their music and create more platforms. And, and I just want to add in, like, one of the most punk rock things about all that, and I love what you said there about the promoter bit at the end, is because, like, the fact that you've done this and you continue to do it, it just spits in the face of people who try to, like, say in a very hackneyed way that you can't do that or doing something like that is hard. Like, people who just, like, kind of say, like, oh, the, the reason you don't see more women or non-binary people on stage is because it's hard. No, it's not fucking hard. Like Exactly. That's literally that was our that was what it was all about it's also giving the middle finger to you know larger platform larger skills uh it's not hard you just need to need to open a door exactly i have generally missed the three of you so fucking much i hope you come back to oh, me. Um, oh we need to release this album so we can go for the states yeah again. yeah or just come Please. before you release it who knows like let's do it <laughs> and thank you so much for for showing such interest in our music and our humanity <laughs> thank you so much for checking this out be sure to subscribe to the new exchange via spotify apple Podcasts, and wherever you stream podcasts until next time thank you for listening